Welcome back to Never Fade, the NFT podcast. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate the feedback. Subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us at Never Fade NFT. I'm your host, Fax. As always, with the one, the only, trippy ape, hoodie punk, pink check bandit. What's good, good? What's good, dude? I, I did realize for the first time that I think Trippy Ape might stand for triple bogey. Had a pretty rough uh, had a pretty rough go on the course the other day. <laughs> first time I've thought about the Trippy Ape in a negative context, you know. Well, it feels like you switching your PFP from a Trippy Ape to the Hoodie Punk, it kind of like marked like a little bit of shift in sentiment with what's going on with with Board Ape Yacht Club. What's your experience been since you've switched the PFP? You've got the hoodie punk with the single visualized value pink check. Have you had any kind of like different feedback or different experience since switching up your PFP? I know people generally are like kind of like scared to do that. Like, oh, this is my brand. And you were like, you who are, who is a proponent of rebranding, kind of like rebranded your account. What's the experience been so far? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, no one's really commented on it. If anything, I feel like people just forget that I hold the best ape in the collection. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think I think people. Uh, one one day we should do a show on that, and people like we like actually come up and try to go toe to toe with apes. It's it's gonna be um, they'll lose every time. Just there's nothing you could do about it. It's a program. Uh, yeah, it's been good though. I I don't know if a lot of people I don't know if a lot of people understand my PFP now. Like I don't know if they know that like the pink check, the single check, or there's a hood behind it. Which I don't really care what they think or what they know. It's cool. I like it. My my check my check hoodie is me. There's nothing you could about it. Feels freeing. Feels freeing to not be tied to a collection. Like, you know, this is someone who. Supports Ethereum and likes Jack Butcher, and that's kind of all you need to know, I guess, right? Yeah, and I guess I will say from like the 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 trade uh, value, you know, I know you traded it for a pudgy rod, but ultimately, like the the timing. The timing of getting into a hoodie punk and and letting go of some apes was was seems like it was pretty good timing at the moment. Uh, we'll see. Look, bottom line is like there's a lot of um, NFT collections that are like quote PFP profile picture collections, which is kind of like a weird concept when you zoom out. Like this is hyper niche stuff that we're doing, but we've heard you know Jack Butcher say that the PFP is like the beachfront real estate of digital property and how powerful it is to like put your brand or your your collection kind of like at the forefront of somebody's digital identity. And we've seen so many different variations of this and mostly we've seen PFP projects uh, fail just because there's been so many, you know, that were put out like on the back of Board Ape Yacht Club. It was just like people were just printing them. But we've seen some really stick and we've seen these communities gather around uh, the ones that do. And it, it adds to like the sustainability and longevity of the PFP. 
One that I've noticed um, that I've been kind of curious about and I wanted to learn more about is Canpai Pandas. Um, Canpai Pandas is one that I think was released at a, in, a, in the bear market, but they, they've sustained. And I think that they sustained kind of on the back of um, their founder, Ice Bags. He really seems to like just be just driving forward, you know, regardless of market conditions. Like he's just seems like hyper-focused and just like, you know, not stopping to wallow in the down bad takes of the bear market. He seems like very bullish. And so that's who we're going to be speaking to today. And I'm looking forward to it. Like, what are you hoping to glean from this conversation with ice bags? Yeah, I mean, I know nothing about Kim Pai Pandas, know nothing about him. Um, but just in reviewing, you know, his Twitter and stuff, it sounds like, you know, the the dude's a mover and shaker in 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 business, and he's conflating, you know, the business world with the NFT world. I think that's always interesting. I think this really does mark our first podcast. Um, in going deep into probably deep into you know business narratives and business stories, um, as as Icebag's background, as I'm sure you know he has some good stories there. So, for people who are tuning in here, you know, um, if you're not in the NFT space and you kind of want to hear uh, uh, business narratives and and how someone came to be, this is a good episode for that, I'd assume. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to like understanding more about the path uh, that led him to this point and trying to get some like Web3 builder alpha. We got Bags in the studio. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Bags. How you doing? Doing great, man. You guys? We're doing good, man. I mean, at the time of recording, looks like we're rebounding a bit in crypto land and it's amazing to see how quickly those vibes flip. You know, you were just saying how your phone was blowing up because people were all hyped up, man. What are you hearing on your end of things? I mean, it's it's euphoria right now. I mean, we were at like, what, 24 something a couple of days ago. It was like crypto's dead. And then all, the, all of a sudden, you know, BlackRock wants in and, you know, we got fucking nine ETF filings, uh, group chats going, you know, wild right now. So we'll we'll see. You know, I think probably 32 is kind of what everybody's looking at right now. But I expect a pullback. Like we're not, you know, we just ripped like, like 4,500 bucks in a couple of days. Yeah, the timing of these events is super interesting. You know, SEC lawsuits cracking down on two of the biggest exchanges, FUD everywhere, the regulatory pressure, and then suddenly, bam, Citadel, BlackRock, Fidelity popping into the game. Like, you can't make this up, you know? It's like it's like American financial gangster behavior, you know? 100%. Yeah, when the big boys want in, man, they're going to find their way in, right? Like, they're going to shove their way in. I mean, that's the way it works. FTX goes down. They're going after fucking Coinbase of all people, which is like the one person you probably shouldn't go after. Maybe them and Gemini, right? Then it's like CZ's on deck, and, you know, then it's another one. Then all of a sudden, everybody starts filing, and it's like, all right, this, this shit's all planned. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like the gold ETF filing. Uh, we all know what happened after those things opened up. So it's, uh, it, it, it's pretty interesting. I think that the trigger test, the trigger test has happened a couple times now. And a lot of, I, I don't think the people have been shaken out like they had hoped. So, uh, you know, it's time for ultrasound money to go, to go next wave. Yeah. 
and alts are going to get left behind. So boys, just be prepared if you're in alts. Yeah, so that's your so that's your call, huh? You're an, you're anti alts. I I myself am. No, no, no. I love alts. I fucking love alts. I mean, I, that's the way that people get filthy fucking rich with no money, right? But when BTC when BTC starts roaring, like alts just get left in the dust, man. Yeah. Definition of alts for you. Hi, hi. Walk us through your definition of alts. Everyone's got a different one. I consider anything outside of BTC an alt. Okay. I consider like, you know, ETH, uh, maybe some of the major L1s, you know, alts, and the rest of them are just shit coins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of bullish on the idea that I think that we're going to have some categorical uh, mistakes on, on the alt definition. Like, I think there's going to be some things caught on the line. Uh, like, you know, I'm I'm kind of of the... I'm of the mindset you got Bitcoin and you have Ethereum. I don't consider Ethereum an alt. I consider everything else outside of Ethereum and Bitcoin an alt. But I also think like there's 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 risk there to not call Solana, uh, you know, to to include Solana not in that category, uh, which which I think it could have some upside for for Solana maxis who guarantee that Solana is not a max. Like they could see some upside here. Not going to count that out. I think everybody can. I think, I think you know, you look at Solana, you look at ETH, you look at maybe Polygon, like a handful of others, like that's going to be your next wave, right? Um, I think BCH just popped off like 20%, you know, which, which tends to say like, okay, some other shit's going to start following here after Bitcoin. But it's usually Bitcoin ramps up really hard and then it consolidates. And if alts aren't following at that point, BTC could easily take another leg up and leave everything in the dust again. Yeah, it's funny you talk about your group chats. I'm in a, I'm in a uh, like a co-working space out here. It's a pretty new co-working space, and it's been it's been pretty quiet the last couple couple months. Uh, and today, there's a lot of chirpers. There's a lot of people coming out the office talking a little louder than normal. So, uh, you know, first first early localized signs of uh, of the little pump, which is interesting. Well, thank God everybody on CT is the best trader because apparently everybody on CT is is long the lows. So it's amazing, but it looked like it happened again. Yeah. CT is like, it's like leveraged groupthink, you know? <laughs> like, it's like everybody takes this like position all together and goes in one direction. And then suddenly everybody goes the other way on some leverage short and everything. It's like out of control, but look, man, 90% of it's fucking LARPing anyway. They're not even in a position or they, you know, they got shook out or whatever. And then they're just cheering with everybody else for fucking group thing. Well, look, that being said, you know, that's, that's how uh, I met you is on the timeline. And what I like to do is get a little bit of uh you know, history on how did you get into Web3 and into blockchain in the first place, Bags? For sure. Uh, so I come from traditional business background, real estate, uh, property management, re restaurants, uh, that type of stuff. So I've been building businesses for like, I don't know, probably 16, 17 years. Uh, in 18, I got in pretty heavy. Uh, it was my, my brother, shit, my brother was telling me, I got the same story as everybody, right? Like brother told me about it at $500. I didn't touch it, told him he was a moron. Uh, got in in 18 after the market crash in, you know, in 17, it went from like 20 to, you know, six back to 10. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I'm finally going to shove. So I shoved pretty hard. It went immediately to three, like in a few months. <laughs> so I got, my, I got my teeth kicked in in that 18, 19 bear market. Uh, and then obviously stuck around and went full time, uh, like in 18. So I've been here for, you know, five solid years, um, started, you know, like 
you know, I was doing seed rounds and, and advising, you know, and that kind of stuff for a couple of years. And then, you know, got into this project in April of 22, May of 22, something like that. Wow. So you've been full time in in crypto for five years. Yeah. So I'm, I came more from the crypto side, obviously, than, you know, prior to NFTs. So prior to NFTs, were you mainly like trading? Were you, you know, you said you were somehow involved in raising raising capital or yeah i mean raise capital um i'm not a i'm not a lev trader never have been i i advocate against it um pretty consistently i, I was a i'd buy big spot positions and play you know long long swing spots for you know three months six months that's fascinating and so when you saw like in 2021 when nfts started really popping off like what were you doing during that time so, you know, I was, I was late to the game on NFTs when it came to, you know, the trading side for sure. Uh, I think my first like big one was, was I was actually had a uh, D's and Sobe in town and uh, they were, you know, we were just kind of talking about what was going on and I dove in head first. I bought like, I don't know, like 20 punks around 30 ETH before they all ran up to like a 200 floor or whatever. I bought a bunch of Fidenzas and that kind of stuff. That was kind of like my introduction into it. Um, I made pretty decent money on that run. I never really got into, you know, all the minting and things like that. It was just, it was just so degenerate. Um, and I just don't have the, I didn't have the time to sit around and like chase mints, Right. So I never got to, and I'm sure it was fucking fun and fascinating for everybody. And a lot of people got, you know, hilariously rich off of it. So I wish I would have, but I just, I, I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. You know, it's like not at the top of my mind when I got a hundred things going on. Yeah. Hence the name bags. You just came in and swinging with some bags and just sweat punks. Like, you know, a lot of people who are trying to mint and print certainly are not in a position to do that. And that's really like uh, pretty interesting. You're like in crypto for, for a while, you know, and you see what's going on and you just come in and straight go in for the top tier. So are you still uh, holding any of these crypto punks bags? Nope. Sold them all off. I mean, I think anywhere from like 200 to like 70, I think was probably my range. But yeah, so I, I sold them all off. I mean, believe me, I'm holding tons of dog shit. Like, like uh, when when Azuki, when Azuki and, and uh, Capsule House were launching, I think I, I I was like, oh, Capsule House is such a better project. Like, look at this sear light, look at the artwork, yada yada. And I think I spent like hundred and fifty thousand dollars at like you know point two or some shit. I mean, I'd be I'd be like one of the biggest Azuki holders right now. Instead, I'm instead I've got a wallet full of uh, Capsule Houses. <laughs> Everybody's got these like heartbreaking stories, but it sounds like you're one of the few chads that like did sell punks at the top and some other stuff probably at the top. So, you know, that's your kind of swing trading background and so forth. So, you know, at what point did you decide to found your own NFT project and why? Yeah. So my story is quite different. Like, uh, I was helping a project. So the meta back then was always the honoraries, right? It was like, you had to have honoraries and that was the only way you're going to get visibility. So these guys came to him. They're like, Hey, you know, can you help us with this? I'm like, yeah, I know everybody on CT. So we got like 40 of the biggest names, got honoraries in their hand. They had a huge white list of like, I don't know, like 20,000 people on deck. And this was, this was in the bear market. You know what I mean? This was April of 22. Like things weren't going great for NFTs. Um, so it was pretty hyped up. And I remember I was going to, uh, I was supposed to be going to the masters. 
on, on Sunday. And I think Tiger was in the final round. And so me and my boy casino called me the night before. And he's like, Hey, they're like, Hey, we're going to fly over a group of people to, to walk the masters, you know, behind the ropes, do this, this. And so I'm like, me and, me and my boy just drove over to the casino. We're like, we're going to do this. So we we're having drinks in the fucking high limit room. We got our laptops out. We're like minting this, you know, this, this drop. And all of a sudden the contract breaks. And so the contract breaks, Shit goes ape shit. This was my first experience in Discord. I go into the Discord. It's like, you know, rug, they're fucking taking the money. Yada, yada. I'm like, holy shit, what is going on in here, right? And uh, as you guys know, you've been in Discord before, and I'm sure you guys were probably in like the mania phase as well of the minting and, and seeing all this stuff. That was my first experience. And I'm like, what a fucking shit show, right? And so I'm sitting there and they're like, you know, we, we, need, we need help. We need to do something. I was like, you got a few options. You can refund the money. You can, you know, pause it, try to redo it and, you know, try to rebuild from there. And I was like, or fuck it. I'll just take it over. I've been wanting to do an NFT project on my, on my own for a while and, you know, give you some of the funds back. They're like, let's do it. So I literally left the casino at like one o'clock in the morning. I hop on, I get, I get back to my house. I hop on Twitter and I'm like, hey, I'm taking over this fucking project like a complete fucking moron. I'm like, I'm taking over this project. I'm going to do this. Who wants to help? And so Primo from Layer Zero hit me like literally 10 minutes later. He's like, let's do this. Um, Ghostly Ghost had just launched as like the first uh, Layer Zero Omnichain project. And he was like, let's do it Omnichain. So we did. So we spent the next, you know, couple, you know, weeks, month, you know, working on that kind of stuff. I put a team in place uh, and that's kind of how it started. Wow. That's wild. That's a wild story. I didn't know that, man. So, so basically can't, Kenpai pandas. Yeah, it used to be it used to be it used to be yakuza pandas. Okay, so and so the only reason that changed is because when I went to uh, you know we have a suite at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the Raiders, and so when I when I bought this suite for fucking fifteen years. I'm literally on the phone with a guy and, and they're extremely hard to get a hold of, right? Because it's the most expensive ticket in the NFL. It's where everybody wants to go to. All the suites are owned by like, you know, either casino operations or, you know, huge conglomerates. And one company had just gone under and the guy calls me. He's like, I got this suite. You have like 15 minutes to take it. And so I'm like, I'm done. I'm in. Like, tell me where to send the money. And he's like, what's the name to put on the suite? And I'm like, Yakuza Pandas. And then I'm like, hold up. I can't fucking put Yakuza pandas on a fucking NFL suite. Like it's a Japanese <laughs> gang, right? Like you can't do that. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I want it, but I'll call you back. And I'm like, guys, we got to do something here. Like this, this is not going to fly. Right. So can pie means cheers. And our whole kind of thing in the beginning was all about, you know, in real life entertainment, suites and parties and that kind of stuff. So it made a lot of sense. So the first order of business was some rebranding. Yeah. Get away from the gang. That's funny. So that hit you real time. So you were like, you were, you, the name was operating. It was good and great. And then you just, you were like, you know what? I'm, I'm finally on this. I'm finally on this above board call where I have to interface with real humans. Yeah. And uh, I gotta, I gotta pull the name. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even think about it. Right. Like I've got a hundred things on my mind. I'm like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do here. And I'm putting a team in place. Didn't even think about the name until it was like, Hey, we're going to put this on the placard of the suite at an NFL stadium. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> that ain't that ain't gonna fly. Like they're probably not even. Gonna, they're probably just gonna tell me like I can't even buy the suite. You know, they're gonna think you were gonna roll up with a bunch of Japanese yeah. gangsters, dude. Yeah, yeah, like the fucking Crips pandas, right? Yeah, you'd probably Ooh. get a call from the. Uh, you'd probably get a direct line call from one of the casino operators. That's like, hey, hey boss, like uh, we should talk, but uh, on a different line, you know. Or or the yakuza's roll up on me. <laughs> right. So that's pretty crazy. So you were literally like at the casino. And you're seeing the Discord actually just go bananas because they think this project is running. And you're just like, you know what? 
I'm going to swoop in here, probably like way the way that you may have swooped in on distressed properties in your real estate, you know, past, right? It's like, it's those deep discount opportunities. So like, why, why try to acquire a project like that instead of starting one from scratch? I mean, I think, you know, look, a lot of work goes into them up front, right? So if, if a lot of the work's been done, um, that's an advantage, uh, especially if it hasn't, if, especially if it hasn't like launched fully and then failed, uh, because I, I looked at like potentially taking over Capsule House. I actually talked to them. Um, and as I was getting into it, I was like, this doesn't make any sense because the community's dead. The project really isn't doing anything. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. I didn't really have that with this because it was just kind of getting off the ground. So there weren't those kind of negative connotations or, or drawbacks to it. But, but in the grand scheme of things, look, I just got really drunk and made a fucking decision. Like, there's not a whole lot to it, boys. Let's not overcomplicate things. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very calculated in, in my business and the way I run things. But believe me, there's some times where I, I just make snap decisions. That's the way it is. Yeah, would you say that those snap decisions, because I, I wouldn't fade snap decisions from from someone who who has seen uh, a lot of outcome. And I, I pretty much come from a high-end outcome. I kind of come from this mentality that like if you want to see outsized outcomes, you have to have outsized risk. And a lot of people just don't have the gut for it. Um, so would you say that those snap decisions are like, you know, heavily influenced by your intuition um, that you've kind of built over time? hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, you know, believe me, I built a lot of successful businesses. I've, I've, I've launched businesses that have failed, uh, for a myriad of reasons, right? Like maybe I didn't pay enough attention to them. Maybe I, I let things go that, that, that I shouldn't have. Uh, maybe it was just a bad fucking decision and, and, and an idea that really nobody wanted to do, right? I've been there, done that across the board. I've, I've had so many successes, so many failures. Like I listen to my intuition at all times, uh, because it's, it's led me to the point where I am today, um, where I can afford to make those kind of decisions, right? Like I've done, I've done a few things, right. That I can afford to make those decisions and it's not going to hinder my life or, you know, whether, you know, whether it, whether, whether I win or lose. Um, so yeah, hundred percent, I always trust. Yeah. And what's your kind of like, uh, like worst case scenario slash risk model that you run through in a quick snap decision. And I guess to frame that context a little bit more, you know, when I make snap decisions, I kind of put myself in this, in this state, it's almost like a Zen state for me. Where it's like, what's the worst that can happen, you know? And and I'm like, within an instant, I can be happy with it, you know? It's like that's the worst that could happen. Roll the dice. Like I'm I'm already banking in the worst that can happen. Anything else is upside. Do you have kind of a like a, a similar mental model on snap judgments? Of course, you've got to look at that. And one of the biggest things I think for me is like when I tie my name to something, it 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 almost forces me to do that, right? Like if I would have taken over this project, it would have just been a non. Like I probably would have let go of it, you know, it, we, we took seven fucking months to mint out, like name another projects that took anywhere near that time and is still around today. There's not one. Right. 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 So if I wouldn't have tied my name to it, I, I don't know how far I would have gone with it, to be honest. Uh, but, but since I did, I'm like, I'm putting myself out here and I'm going to say I'm doing it and I've got a decent reputation. I've been around for a while. Um, that's kind of what my driving force probably was, was like, hey, I'm going to take this over and I'm going to grind through it. And we did. We, we ground the fuck through it. You're talking about a seven month mint. I pulled out like 600K out of my own pocket because we didn't even have mint funds. Right. So I spent like 600K out of my own pocket just to get the thing off the ground. So I put my money where my mouth is. Uh, I put my name behind it. Like that says a lot. Yeah, totally. So that's like this. That's the skin in the game for you. You put your name behind it and it's like 
you know, you feel good with the decision. It's a snap decision. Your intuition is like data backed because of your experience and all the things that like the model that you've been curating with your life experience. Then you put your name on it, skin in the game. That's gas on the fire for you. And that's when you're locked in. Yeah. My, my thing is, I know if, 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 if I'm going to make it my mission to do something, I can drive success out of it. Like I know that now it may not be instant, you know, and a lot of times it's not, uh, you know, but outside of web three, when you're building a regular business, a, it takes up front capital B, it takes a lot of time, right? Like when I was building my, my first business, I was probably 26, 27 years old. We didn't have a pot to piss in. My wife was pregnant at the time. Uh, and, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave my sales job that I make pretty good money at uh, and it's very comfortable and I'm going to start my own business. And we sat there at the, at the kitchen table and we drew up the fucking logo and we came up with a business plan and I just started knocking on doors the next day. I think the first year I made like $30,000 and I was working, dude, I was working 60, 70 hours a week on it. Right. Second year I made like $52,000 and I just kept grinding because I knew I had something here, you know? And I was like, all right, 30 to 50 may not be that big of a deal, but it is to me. Right. And so I can see where like that growth and that potential is going. And it's the same thing with this. Like I, I know, and, and, and eventually that, that business became very successful. I still own it today. We've got, you know, hundred employees there. It's a great business. Um, but that was, you know, 16, 17 years ago. Uh, but it took me three years to get there. Web three provides this different opportunity. It's like some things are just instant successes, you know, but in my mind, it doesn't just because you aren't doesn't mean that you're not going to be a huge success down the road. To me, the projects that are really going to be successful a year, two years, three years, five years from now are the ones that, that a come up with revenue sources that have real business models in place that, that have leaders that have, that have been through the trials and tribulations, you know, um, that's, what's going to lead to success in, in, in these projects, especially with royalties being out of the market. Like that's a difficult fucking thing to do, right? Because you can't just continue to mint and mint and mint and mint because people, you know, that meta's gone, right? So you've got to find ways to, to last and sustain um, with, with real fucking business. Dude, I love to hear this kind of like story of sitting at the kitchen table, taking a chance with the pressure on, building it from the ground up, and then just like running, dude, just hitting, you know, never turning back. So interestingly... You have to have that mentality though, man. You have to, like, I, I say this to everybody. If you're going to be a, if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, you're going to be a leader. Like you've got to have that attitude of, of if I'm involved, I can't lose and I will grind on it and keep pushing until, until I break through. Yeah. And, and you know, what's really interesting about the web three space is like, I know, you know, crypto punks is like one of the most, the, one of the most, uh, you know, uh, collections with the most notoriety and it's it's the most well-known with provenance. I know there are things that came before it, but I think the ironic part is like CryptoPunks have this like punk type of uh, persona and really everybody in Web3, whether they identify with themselves as a punk or not, they are a punk. And you realize that when you run a community, you realize how many punks you have in a community and you realize how many people just will fucking poke the bear right of the founder and if you don't have these like real life experiences and you're built for it you're gonna find out real quick what it's like to like show up every day in the doldrums in the highs in the lows and put your name on it so i think like you know your experience coming into this space it's like you have this huge you have this huge step up because you're already built for it and you can handle um those things but that's, you know, 
said differently for people who are becoming founders for the first time. You look at like, I don't know if you follow D gods or you look at like what Frank's doing from the D god side, you know, that guy is a perfect example of someone who came in with massive potential, really unproven potential and has had, you know, a hammer taken to him and he's just, he's growing up in the public space. And I can't think of another uh, space in business where someone gets, you get to watch their growth in 4K streaming through the TL. Do you got any takes on that? I didn't realize Fax is wearing, repping the D-Gods hoodie. We, uh, so, so we uh, kind of went full circle there. Yeah, so I do. I mean, I don't, I don't admire being in that position at all. Yeah. I don't know how I would have handled it. At, at, how old is he? 22, 23? Something like that? 24? I, I think he's 21. Or he's something. got to be. I don't know. Yeah, is he 23? Something like that, I think, yeah. I don't know how I would have handled that at 21. Like, that's that's tough, right? Like, there's days where I'm like, I'm fucking 41 and don't need to be doing this, and I'm getting yelled at by a bunch of 20-year-old kids that have never run a business, right? And it's like, I go, what the fuck am I doing here, yeah, right? Yeah. So I can't even imagine being 21, you know, and 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 not having the experience and not having been through that and had the successes and failures. Like, it's it's a tough spot to be in, man. It is not an easy space to to win in at all. Because there's so many projects out there. There's so much noise. There's so much clutter. It's uh, like people come to me all the time. And I've had some like pretty impressive businesses come to me and they're like, hey, we're going to launch an NFT project. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think you're a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. And look, the truth is that 99%, 99.9% of NFT projects objectively have failed. But... Canpy Pandas at the moment, if you go to blur.io, their homepage is a big advertisement for Canpy Pandas. Like, how did that come about? So, uh, Blur actually hit me and, and, and we were talking back and forth a little bit and they were just like, Hey guys, like we're, we're, that we're big fans of, of Canpy. Like you guys are one of the few people that are actually like delivering in the space and, and bringing utility and bring and actually like doing what you say. Right. And so we want to, you know, reward you guys for that. And of course I was all in on that. I mean, that's great exposure and it's, and it's tough, right? Like, especially from a holder's perspective, I mean, we skyrocketed like to 2.6, like when, when everybody else was, was stagnant, like we were, we were at like 2.6 and now we're back at like 0.8 or some shit. Like it's tough and we haven't stopped delivering. Right. It's like, we're still, we're still putting out, we're still hitting all the, the goals that we lay out. It's just a tough market to build in, man. Like if you don't have kind of the, I hate to say attention economy, cause it's kind of goofy, but it is, it is a bit of an attention economy. Right. And so it's like, if you're not hot, if you're not in right now, you're not in, right? And then nobody pays attention to you. And then it's like all of a sudden, you know, people start paying attention again, you get hot again, but there's definitely ups and downs and it's, and it's hard to build in that, in that, in that scenario, right? Like it's, it's difficult as a founder, as a team, like I have to, I have to tell my team like, Hey guys, like, cause I've got younger guys on my team too. Right. And I'm like, look, I've been here before. Like, this is what happens in business. You get ups and downs. You can't let it, you can't, let it get emotional, right? We just have to look at it and say, okay, what can we do? What can we do to change things and improve things for our community um, so that we get that attention again? Well, look, man, you survived the gauntlet, basically. You, you know, you survived, uh, you, your, your project survived this ridiculous bear market and kind of, it kind of creates a moat, right? Like, do you feel like right now, Having survived that, you know, being on the front page of Blur, having a floor price that I think is very respectable at this juncture, like, how are you feeling about that situation? 
Look, I'm excited about it. I think probably the biggest thing for us as a seven month mint out, it, it, as tough as that was, like, I never thought it was going to mint out. You know, there's, there was times there where I'm like, fuck, it's just not going to mint out. Like nobody wants it, et cetera, et cetera. But it helped us build this, like this great community around us that those guys are never leaving. You know what I mean? Cause they love the project. They sat there for seven months and, and at, at a $400 mint and it ran all the way up to what, like $5,000 or something they didn't sell then. Like those guys are here to stay. They like what we're building. And now it's on us to expand that out to more people. So yeah, I think, <laughs> excuse me, the seven month mint surviving, you know, a bear market, you know, who knows how long, how much longer this thing's going to last. But my thing is like, I'm not a short-term thinker, right? As you can tell from my past businesses, like I'm, it's not going to stop me from building. The floor price isn't going to stop me from building, you know, um, I'm going to continue to, to push forward and get our name out there and, and, and build the project that, that we were set out to build. Yeah, I think one of the big metas that that you know the, the macro meta that shook out from twenty one to to now is that you know what NFTs really did is it built communities. What NFTs really did is it made connections. And I think you know I don't think we're ever going to get away from the term NFT, um, but it just is so loaded, right? It has so many different interpretations through it. But I think there's one thing that you just can't fade. And it's the fact that it creates these hyper, these hyper connections and like never in the world of business have we ever been able to go into a chaotic server and, and make connections that can actually last. Like in what world can you go in through a server that's streaming like at, at an immense amount of speed, carry on a conversation like in a DM or through Twitter pop on a flight, go see this person and have like actual like layout business lines on the table and find connections. So there's something, there's something to that, like that, uh, time warp of connections that when this thing, you know, does turn back on, I do almost feel that like every community is going to be bound by an NFT of some sort. Um, do you have any thoughts on like, how nfts will be used in let's say like five years from now from a from a community engagement fandom experience yeah i think uh i think that's the coolest thing about web3 in general right is is the fact that like in in, in the in the regular business world i i service customer and i don't get feedback until afterwards right and most of the time that's negative because most people would rather leave a negative comment than, than even if they had a good one, it's like, they just don't want to take the time to leave that. Right. So you, all you get mostly is negative feedback, but it's after the fact. So you really can't change that. The great thing about web three, when you're building in web three is you get real time feedback all the time from a huge community that cares about you, that cares about the project, that cares about what you're building. Right. So that helps you to formulate what you're going to be doing next because it's what the community wants and it's, it's their voice. Right. So that's such an interesting part of web three to me is like you're building in real time versus building on past data. And, and, and there's a major advantage to that right now. You do have to, you do have to mark out a lot of the noise, right? Because the, the crowd t tends to turn quickly, you know, based on a floor price, for example. Right. So you have to be able to kind of like say, okay, this is based on, on their interpretation, interpretation of a floor price versus this is a valid concern or comment, right? So it does become a little tricky to navigate that. Uh, again, experience helps doing that. Uh, but as far as like NFTs going forward, I think, I think most membership based stuff is going to be, is going to be NFT, 
right? Like it's going to be NFT bound. Like I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of large corporations moving in, a lot of the large, you know, clubs moving in. Um, I look at it like this, like it, as, as an older guy, I've been a member of like 20 different golf courses. Okay. And the golf course model is, you know, you, you go and you pay an initiation fee, you pay a monthly fee, you pay uh, dues every time you play, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you leave, you get no value back, right? You can't sell your membership. The club just takes it back. And so what this, what, what NFTs offers is like, okay, now you get to do all this, this shit, but now you have something of some value that you can give back and sell to the next person. Right? So instead of, instead of the club making all the money, for example, now it, it puts the power back in the user's hands, which is, which is a complete dynamic shift to, to old business models, but will become much more prevalent as we move forward. Yeah, and even to those models, right, with the golf club, like they can put 100-year leases on these NFTs as well, right? So like you, you can inherit it as a, you can, you can, you know, give it away as inheritance and then there could be a re-up uh, scenario as well. So I think that's, I think it's, yeah, having... And I think one of the things about having a secondary market, it doesn't have to be more valuable than what you paid list for, right? Like just having it depreciate and being able to, you know, recover 50% of your original costs it is, it is a value add. I think one of the interesting things we're really going to see going forward is, is more like soulbound NFTs to where you can actually like own equity in a company, right? But, it, but it's soul bound so that you can't, you're not creating a secondary market, hence security. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do think there's going to be something there where people start, you know, crowd raising and funding on, on like soul bound NFTs because you're going to get a part of the equity. You're going to get a, a revenue share. If there's a profit there, there's, there's, there, there's some interesting plays that are going to be coming down the road over the next couple of years yeah. and, and that are already in the works. Yeah. And soul bound makes a lot of sense from the gaming, from the gaming side of things, like people who spend a lot of time in the gaming world on digital, uh, platforms that exist out there. You know, I heard a story from someone um, in my DMs kind of walking me through a conversation they had with someone who's been a lifetime gamer. Right. And they're kind of going through this existential crisis. You know, they're they're not they're not nearing the end of their time on Earth, but they're kind of asking questions like I've sunk so many times into so much time into this game. The only way I can really like excrete value is be a YouTube streamer or go play esports because I don't have anything in my wallet to give to my to give to my children. I don't have anything to show for my hours spent gaming. You know, and that's why a lot of these gamers kind of rally around the idea of enjoyment, right? It, it's almost like a rationalization of them saying like, hey, well, I just enjoyed my time. And you hear that all the time from gamers. And it's like, well, that because that's literally all you can get out of gaming is enjoying your time. So you're narrowing in on that. But it's really cope, right? I mean, it's, it's cope. If you look, if, if we want to be real, like if, if every time you bought a skin or a gun or something in Call of Duty and it was a limited run NFT and you could fucking sell that thing back, they'd be all about it. If they would have, if it, if it would have been five years ago and they didn't waste hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and tens of thousands of dollars buying that shit that had no value, right? If it would have been an NFT from the beginning, they'd be all about fucking NFT. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. I think, I think there is a bit of cope there. And I think, uh, the other deal is like if somebody were in the NFT space and they jumped in, they jumped from collection to collection, you know, bought list on secondary took 50 percent losses but made six connections every single community they went into 
I would be like, yeah, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant business strategy. With gaming, right, you have to like, you get in, you're talking with people, you're chatting Call of Duty, you're buying things you can't sell, and you're making these friendships, maybe, right? But but it's pretty much all on-game content, and then you get you got the cope line of I enjoyed myself. That's it. And look, enjoyment's great, right? And enjoyment's great. Like every like everything you do should have some level of enjoyment. If not, just don't fucking do it. Like we're, we're here for a very short period of time. Enjoy yourself, whether it be gaming or, or going to a football game or going to a concert or spending time with your family or your girl or whatever, like enjoy that. But at the same time, like if there's a way that you can make money and enjoy it, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Like enjoyment should be enjoyment should be base level. It shouldn't be a value prop. Yeah. One of the things that kind of caught my eye about Kampai Pandas is that the branding was on some like UFC fighters apparel. Um, I have a friend that owns some car dealerships out here in Southern California. And earlier on in his career, like he he's made a relationship with Manny Pacquiao, putting some logos on his uh, f fight trunks. And like that continued on for years and they ended up becoming like really close friends. And he tells me all these crazy stories about Manny and, and all this stuff that he went through. And it kind of started with him putting his, his logos on his shorts, you know, on his fight trunks. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about how mixed martial arts or like entertainment in general is kind of like intersecting with what you're doing. For sure. You got, you got to look at advertising, right? I mean, every, every company on earth advertises. If you don't, you're, you're going to struggle. Um, so, so whether you're advertising in inside the web three space or outside the web three space, you've got to advertise in some fashion. Right. And so we chose combat sports, which is essentially the fastest growing, you know, sport on the planet, maybe outside of, you know, soccer, like it's probably the biggest global sport, you know, whether it's Muay Thai or, or, you know, boxing or whatever it may be. So you're looking at one of the fastest growing sports. There's a huge crossover there. You got the same demographic. You're looking at, you know, 20 to 50 year old male, you know, as the viewer. Um, so, and, and a lot of, you know, sports and, and crypto is crossover too, right? You got sports betting and crypto is a huge crossover. So there's just a massive, you know, target audience there to advertise to. And if we can advertise through apparel and say, okay, you know, this is who we are and then use that apparel to then link people back to the project, you know, and bring more eyes onto the project. It's just, it's, it's a net positive for, for, for everybody involved. So, you know, so far with that experience, like of, of advertising in combat sports, like, you know, do you feel like you're getting the kind of feedback that makes you want to continue to invest in that direction? If so, like, what does that look like or feel like and kind of where are you at with it? I do because it, 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 also opens up different avenues, right? Because when you start when you start getting into that world of of kind of high profile, you know, athletes and and all the stuff that comes along with it, like it opens other doors, right? So, like one of the things that we're working on right now is is actually starting our own fight league. Um, and I've got some very heavy hitters involved, some good fighters involved. I've got you know the right team in place to do this stuff. So we're 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 about a month and a half into like diving down this this rabbit hole but we're getting very close to uh to making a move did you have like a special interest in in this type of sport like you know for you know leading up to this yeah for sure like I, I, my favorite thing to do is go to all the big fights you know i've been to a lot of the huge boxing matches that are out in vegas and the the biggest ufc fights um 
So yeah, I've been I've been doing it for years. I mean, to me, it's one of the most exciting sports to watch live. Uh, and and you know, I mean, it's it's just exploding right now. Between you know, if you look at like bare knuckle boxing, I mean, if you look at like uh, Perry and Rockhold, I mean, that shit that shit wouldn't even be on TV five years ago, right? Because it would have been like too brutal. But the same thing was said about UFC you know, 15, 20 years ago, right? Like they couldn't get a contract to, 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 to get on air. And now you've got all this other stuff coming up. But like the, the, the Perry and Rockhold fight did like 350,000 pay-per-views, you know? Uh, I think Jake Paul and Tommy Fury did like 700. So if you look at it on that scale, it's like, holy shit, okay. That's, a, that's an up-and-coming up sport right there that's getting some huge viewership and with some big names that are coming out of the, you know, the UFC and other, and other, you know, arenas. Yeah. We seem to be in a little bit of a meta right now in the IRL world of starting leagues, right? Like currently, you know, uh, XFL and USFL on the backs of the NFL, like two going on concurrently is wild. When you look at like XFL, when it first tried, I think it was about a decade ago. Right. Um, and you're seeing the same same thing with basketball, with these like big three leagues, fighting leagues. I'm sure you know are blowing up too. Can can we kind of go in that um, down that vein a little bit of this like these sport leagues meta? And from a business perspective, what's kind of the end goal? Because um, I assume it, it it I assume it comes down to like usership, viewership, and almost a network type deal, right? Absolutely. So you know you've got you've got to get some kind of distribution, right? And so we've already got that essentially with what we're doing just because the management team that we've got involved, um, that's kind of the bigger thing that they look at even, even more so than like your idea, right? Because it's so, it's such a crowded space right now. There's so much shit popping off globally. Um, so distribution is by far and away the biggest, the biggest, uh, thing that you need to get off the ground. Uh, but yeah, as far as like, you know, sports are such a huge fucking thing. And if you look at like the, the, the timeline of like when you went from like, you, you introduced like fantasy sports and then you introduced, you know, uh, legalized gambling, you know, across, the, across the U S for the most part, like that's when things really started to explode. And when you're looking at the growth of like the gambling sector and the sports sector, it's just, we're, we're at this, this like area where it's just about to skyrocket. It, you know, it already, it already is. Um, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. As long as you've got a bunch of degenerate guys, you know, across the globe that want to gamble, you need something to gamble on. Yeah, and like that's kind of been the case with NFTs, right? I think there was like a big overlap between daily fantasy sports, poker players, and then like the early days of NFTs with with Top Shot and like Zed Run Racing and the kind of like it all came from there. So there's this like demographic and then we're seeing this intersect with social media, like barstool sports, like full scent podcast, these kinds of things that are just becoming like behemoths and in terms of like, you know, viewership and, and distribution. And so it's kind of like, kind of cool, right? It's just like something that good and I've learned with this, with this podcast experience too, is like, like we're currently not like doing any advertising on this platform or anything for us. It's like, look at all these amazing conversations that it sparked and, and people that were networking and meeting like yourself. And there's some of that too, like with an NFT project, like you got this project. So it's kind of like you have this brand, you have this community and it's, it's kind of leading you down a certain path that's opening these different doors that maybe you would have never been knocking on those doors if you weren't doing this kind of project. So like to date, what is like one of the most 
I think like memorable, interesting things that you've like experienced as being the founder or the 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 owner of this particular NFT project that was like a surprise to you. Uh, I mean, j like just what we talked about with the, with the, with the fight league, like if that comes to fruition, it's going to be a massive fucking play. Um, and, and the cool thing is, is like the Kanpai pandas are going to own part of that, you know, so part of that revenue is go back into the treasury. So not only would be, would we be the first ones to own, you know, an NFL suite, we'd also be the ones first ones to own our own fight league. I mean, that's some pretty cool fucking shit, man. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't envision that happening, you know, six months ago for sure. Uh, but here we are. Right. And if, and if you're, if you're a business owner and, and a leader, like you might start down one path. But then when other doors open, you have to be able to pivot, right? And that's that's one thing that I'm very good at is like, okay, maybe this doesn't work, but this does, you know. And if and if that and if this doesn't, then we'll find some find the next thing to do, right? You've got to be able to pivot and make changes as as a business owner. Um, and yeah, so like that's the wildest thing so far that that's come out for sure. Uh, you know, right? And and you were just talking about like the media side and the content, you know, distribution thing. Like we're launching Canpi Media here shortly. We just filmed our first uh, podcast called Overdogs. Uh, it's three of us. Uh, it's myself, Mac Malley, and Sam Alvey. We just had on the very first episode, we had Sean Strickland, Mike Perry, and Bo Nickel all on the first show. And it's like an MMA betting podcast, right? So we're launching it, uh, Canpi Media. We'll use that for like, uh, you know, a spot where you can learn about Canpi Pandas and all the things that we're doing. But you'll also be able, we'll also be creating like unique content. We're talking to Bob Minery about doing a, a golf betting show uh, on there and a couple other things that we're going to be working on. But like the thing is, it's like create unique content that tells the, that tells the story and then get people back there and get eyes on the project. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it, the new world of business comes down to distribution. And I think anybody who understands, like, they want to go start something, they're going to have to understand how to distribute it and how to keep eyeballs there. And, you know, we're able to take in a ton of information. We're able to take in a lot more than we ever have been. And also, like, the selection process of what we have to take in is crucial and key. So, I mean, you definitely get it in building those distribution lines. I don't think a lot of people zoom out far enough to understand that, like, you know, the difference between a great idea and timing is nothing. Like, timing is everything, and distribution is what lands the plane there. So, uh, it's exciting to see, see you come up with all these things. I, I have a particular uh, passion for the golf betting uh, side of things. So, when that when that media arm spins up, uh, uh, let let me let me add it. Well, let me let me shill bags on uh, the probably nothing cup because one of the things that spun out of Good Month Labs is the probably nothing cup, which is like a NFT centric kind of Web three facing golf circuit. And we had two events already, and I think one is another one is coming up. Is another one coming up good? Yeah, we got one uh, for Permissionless in Austin, Texas is September 14th, so it's going to be a hot one. But uh, going to get a little degenerate gambling field out there, uh, throwing some throwing some uh, NFTs. We actually, the first one, we did a, a hole-in-one for a, a board ape, and uh, one of somebody hit the flag, and that ball came like so close to going right in. It was <laughs> almost one right out of my bag. Yeah, but when you're talking about like distribution, you've got you've got to have the the connections to do that, right? Like that's one of the biggest things. And that's why I built, you know, I built an advisory board that's fucking unrivaled when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like I've got the the founder of kick.com is a stakeholder. Yep. 
and advisor on pandas. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're exploding right now. Right. You know, they're backed by stake. Um, I've got, you know, advisors that just have years and years of experience in, 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 in those areas, whether it be content distribution, whether it be digital media, advertising, whatever it may be. Like I've got Steve Espinosa. He was, uh, he ran comms for, uh, Trump and Obama White Houses. I've got Steve Cohen. He was, uh, he's a general partner at UTA, United Talent Agency, yep. runs their Southeast division. He manages like Kevin Hart, Jessica Alba, a ton of people. I've got the Kawas that run first round management. They've got 170 athletes, you know, under their branch. So, you know, we're very, we're very positioned to, 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 you know, do the stuff right and, and have access to the distribution channels. Yeah. You love to hear it. Do I also think like, your project has like an identity, you know? And I think that some of the projects have suffered a little bit because they start to lose their identity and it starts to become confusing. But I think that you guys have like a clear identity. And frankly, selfishly speaking, I've been kind of curious and I, you're, you know, because the project came out like at a time when it was kind of a rough time in the market and like a lot of us had already been like so into different PFP projects and it was like a little bit hard to like go in and like get into another one, but I've been like eyeballing this and I really wanted to like hear, hear more about it and learn more about it. And look, man, good. I think we got to put bags in the no fade zone out here, man. This is one sharp cookie, and he's got the the drive to power this thing. Yeah, that's right, um, dude. I got to pick up some some com pie, man. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't have any in the bag, but it's gonna be exciting to see this. I'm 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 interested to see the media arm spin up, the league spin up. Um, do you, what's your community crossover like? Like, do you have a lot of like if you if you were looking at your community? Um, and the other kind of NFTs they hold, uh, do you have a good idea of like what other NFTs they're in or what other communities they're in? Or are you pretty, do, are you guys kind of, uh, pretty, uh, isolated? It's, it's pretty spread out across, across the different communities, but I'll say this, we've got a lot of, a lot of people that, um, that just own Canpy Pandas, right? Like they just opened up a wallet and bought Canpy Pandas, which I think is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And it's just because like we do, we have so much different stuff, right? Like if you want to go, you know, to, to box suites at games and UFC events, like we're the only one that does that kind of stuff. And so a lot of those newcomers, you know, just bought for the, for the access to those events. And so it's, it's different, right? We're quite different than, than I think most projects out there. Yeah. So what's the best way to engage with you all? Is it Discord, Twitter? What's your kind of, uh, what's the best engagement funnel uh, for people to learn a little bit more? Yeah, I pretty much live on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Discord's great. Like it's it's full of information. We've got a ton of, you know, helpful community members that are in there at all times. So if you got questions, like Discord's super easy. Uh, but yeah, we, we we tend to keep, you know, people updated on on Twitter as well. But that's one of the big parts of, uh, of launching Canby Media for us is like, I want one central location for people to be able to go and say, okay, here's all the major updates that I need to know about and digest in three minutes and move along because Twitter and Discord just get so noisy at times as well. Yeah, totally. Discord's, t Discord's tough. I mean, I think Discord's, like you have Discord dogs that love it, that need it, and it's almost like you just need to have a presence on Discord. But from a from a business owner perspective, like hanging out on Discord is is detrimental to what you need to be doing, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't like discord and especially people, if they haven't used discord, man, if they're going to log in and be like, what the fuck is this? You know, it's, it's just, it's just not the experience you're looking for. I want to, I want to be able to, to, to show people, okay, this is what the project is and, and boom, 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 boom. 
and they can move on because a lot of people don't have, they don't, they don't want to sit around for, you know, all day and just, and, and learn about a project, right? Yep. Like they just don't want to, they've got other things they can be doing. They want to be a part of the project, but they want to, they want to see the updates in, in three minutes and move yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Bag. So help me understand, man, because I'm checking this out and like, like you mentioned, you guys have these events and, and it's, it's pretty cool to see. There's like a bunch of events coming up. There's, a fight coming up in Jacksonville on 617, Rolling Loud in Rotterdam, Rolling Loud Miami, AC Milan versus FC Barcelona and in Vegas. So what's the deal? Like if people own a Kenpai Panda, what do they get to like do with it here? So the way we do that is we take two of our box suite tickets to each event and we put it in the raffle system. So, so they, your Panda earns points on a daily basis you know, no, no charges just to cruise points. And then you can put those pan, those Panda points into raffles and win those tickets for free. Uh, and then the rest of the suite, we just sell it at our, at our raw cost. So you can just go in and purchase, purchase a ticket with a credit card or USDC. Um, and that's how it works. So, you know, yeah, essentially we're building like a loyalty, like a really strong loyalty program with the point system. And, and then that way you can go in there, you can get all kinds of shit. Like you can, like we give away, we, I bought 20 loud punks just cause I thought it made sense. And so what we do is, is you, you can use your Panda points to get those loud, those loud punks, the VIP passes to rolling loud. And we give away 20 of those to each event. Yeah, it's dope. So it's the points. I like that right now we're waiting to see what exactly we're going to be able to do with these points that D gods and youths are accruing. And it's supposed to be like a big announcement coming up, but like, what we saw in 21 is a lot of people came out the gates with NFT projects tied to like ERC 20 tokens and some tokens that never even made it out. Like, for example, like I had a pretty significant bag of like a gutter cat gang NFTs. And then there was supposed to be like a, a gang token drop that was similar to like the ape coin drop. But we know like ape coin dropping was like one of the craziest, biggest things and return of value events that happen in, in the NFT space of history. So there's a lot of anticipation for this gang coin. I don't think anybody particularly expected it to perform like ApeCoin did. Um, but still, like people were expecting that. And I think because of regulatory risk, they they basically like canceled that. And I think that essentially canceled like a huge part of their roadmap that I think was going to be driven by this token and this utility and this kind of thing. So you guys, it sounds like kind of steered clear of that and, and just went with points. Um, I've always said this. If, if, if there's no specific use case for a token, then you don't need to drop one. If I can do the same thing for my ecosystem with a centralized point system, and not only that, but have, you know, if I can run that for 12 months or, or 18 months or 24 months, and I have a complete data set of like how this fucking points system functions, you know, throughout the entire ecosystem. Like if I ever want to drop a token later, I have a huge leg up over just dropping a token right out of the gate and just seeing what happens. So I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, of not dropping tokens with, with NFT projects. You know, a lot of that is regulatory risk, but a lot of it is just, it's not fucking needed, you know? So, so why do it right now until you actually have a necessary, you know, need for it? Yeah. Well, what I like about your point system is it's targeted, like, you have a thing that your points are going towards at this moment, and it's a suite. And, you know, you understand why you're holding, why you're staking, because you want access to that. And is like, if you love the panda too, then bonus points. If you're not here for the panda at all, that's fine, because you have utility back to that. But I think the other thing that's really cool is that 
you know, USDC purchase on the other half of the suite, it's like you are, you know, there's value prop there and not having to purchase a license for a suite, but getting access to the suite experience. It's equivalent to golfing at a great membership, meeting people that have access and inviting you along because you've proven yourself to be a friend. Well, your community has proven yourself, proven themselves that they're connected and a friendship of, of, of your community, right? So I think there's like, it's, I think some people can look at that points model and they can be like, oh, that's simple. You know, can't you do this without NFTs? But I think kind of the reality is, is like you can't really band together strangers on the internet um, and do something like that. And that's where the power of blockchain has come through for you, it sounds. Yeah. I mean, in-person networking is so critical. Like Telegram, Discord is great, right? You can make you can make buddies to a certain extent, but in-person networking is unbeatable and it has been since the beginning of time no. and it will continue to be so. So, you know, you can't you can't top sitting at a football game with somebody in a, in an intimate setting with like, you know, 16 or 20 people because you don't know who the fuck's going to be in there or maybe you do, you know, if you if you go together, but it may be somebody that that opens up a complete door for you and you just had 3 hours to sit there and have beers with them. Yep. You can't top that. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Networking is more than a buzzword when you peel the layers back and really like get into get get into it. It, it absolutely opens doors and potentially new new frontiers. And for people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, for people who are bullish, I think that that it has intangible value 100%. So Bags, we absolutely appreciate your time coming on here today. Uh, do you have any kind of like departing words to leave with us? Well, you want me to give you like an inspirational quote or something or? <laughs> Whatever you want, dude. I'm not going to fade the inspirational quote. This is the shill. This, this is the shill moment for you, Bags. Like, yeah, you know. buy a fucking panda, bozo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I might, dude. I just might, dude, right? Well, where can people find you? Uh, you I'm uh, at Icebags, uh, I-C-E-B-A-G-Z underscore on Twitter. And you can find us at canpiepandas.com. So what's up with the ice, dude? Is it like ice in your veins? Or what is the reference to the ice bags? I always wondered that. It's it's a long it's a long story, but it, it was pretty much referencing my bags in 18. Word. Because they were cold as fuck. The, the ice, man. Ice bags. Love to see it, man. Hey, we really appreciate your time. Um, and you coming on here, I think we definitely are, are bringing some value to our viewers with this episode and talking about the business behind what's going on. Um, so with that, man, I'll definitely be catching you on the timeline. Props to what you're doing and, and, and everything that you're kind of like focusing in on. So hope you have a great rest of your, your week here. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Pleasure. Awesome, man. Pardon the interruption, but we have breaking news here on the Web3 update. And it was a big week this weekend for Azuki as collectors and enthusiasts of Web3's most popular anime lifestyle brand gathered in Las Vegas. At their highly anticipated nightclub party, Azuki announced their newest NFT offer. The announcement was made by the internet supervillain Zagabond, the serial rug artist turned NFT lifestyle ambassador, who once again said, check your wallets, airdropping Azuki fans' digital ecstasy. Yeah. Then he whispered, I'm coming to cash grab whatever you have left, and then let out a long, evil, villainous laugh. Of course, that Zagabon would, yes. That's right, elemental beans are making their way into the garden because the last set of beans were just so damn irresistible and cute. The garden needs more beans. Do we really need more beans, guys? 
I still haven't figured out what these beans do. Are they supposed to do something? Uh, I I haven't figured it out. Do they do they do anything? Uh, I don't know. They are beans. What do you expect? Like a fucking burrito or something? Just tell me what the fuck the beans do, please. Somebody, for the love of God, what do these beans do? And thanks for listening. Now sending you back to the Never Fade podcast. Good. That was a lot of fun, dude. Talking to bags, man. I actually was like pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a pretty like interesting take on NFTs and and kind of like Web three and the business side of it all. Like, what's your take? What's your main takeaways? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect, but we did get the business narratives that I that I was hoping for. I mean, I you know, you can't fade people who figured things out in the past and are figuring things out now, specifically within a bear market and around new technology. So yeah, it's interesting. I I love his that his points are mean something to his community. I don't know why that's like so lost on the space is like making the benefits of being in a community really matter to the persona of your community is is like a novel concept which is which is a little bit odd but yeah excited to see you know where i'm excited about his media arm um because he had mentioned you know bringing together some sports embedding uh media shows as well as like golf betting which obviously it's like golf is near and dear to my heart so like and that's going to be really interesting to watch that unfold. I'm not really a, you know, MMA guy or UFC. So um, that's a little bit, you know, out of my, out of my league, but I'm definitely going to, you know, tune into his community and see what type of people are, are swimming around the compag pandas and, and uh, what kind of energy they bring. Cause I think, you know, eventually we're going to get out of this bear eventually communities are going to get out running and connections are going to be made. So I think that's uh, an important, you know, sleeping dormant factor to, to, to watch. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think he really like understands the demographic um, of, of who he's facing here. I think that he understands the culture of that demographic and he's really like, like zoning in on, you know, experiences, sporting events, like basically using the assets that they have, like a suite at Allegiant Stadium and and other things that they're building here and kind of like plugging that into the ecosystem with the points. So I think, I think, dude, he's a sharp dude. I think that, you know, beneath it all, like there's just this like resiliency that he has from his experience in the past. And I think that that's something that in this type of marketplace and in, in given like the ups and downs, like that resiliency and that kind of like self-confidence is huge. And I think that that shines through. And I will say that, you know, we've had a pretty good track record on this show of bringing in projects that maybe aren't in the limelight kind of like before they catch a hot streak like we you know we talked a lot about d gods before they went on this like massive bull run uh you know we talked to uh henry from oni force when oni force floor price was like 0.5 eth and then literally like 
a few weeks after we broadcast our show, they hit 1.5 plus ETH. And so I, you know, I do think like we generally have pretty good timing. And when I look at this CanPipe Pandas project, you know, let's, let's just simplify this for a second. These guys launched in a bear market. They had a run up, they pulled back, but they're currently still sustaining a floor price that's very respectable. They're on the front page of Blur. They have all of these different kind of like IRL experiences already scoped out for their current holders that they can use these points. So they they figured out this like engagement tool with the points. And now they, and then they have all of these like entertainment sports connections through mixed martial arts. And he talked about like all of these other like advisory groups that they're working with that are, this all sounds very bullish to me. So I guess I will say, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ken Pai Pandas, you know, not financial advice does end up to outperform a little bit in the coming months here. Um, so I'm kind of going to be watching that as well, looking to see if some of these efforts and, and this resiliency pays off. Yeah, it's the resiliency bet. And I think for someone who knows about, you know, marketing and advertising and slapping logos on places where his people and his community members like to look and like to be and like to see, you know, there's a psychological effect of somebody, you know, getting access to use their points to... Um, buy or you know reserve a spot in their suite. Uh, he also mentioned that the other half of the suite can be sold for you know U.S. dollar, which is just smart because I think there's this Web three world uh, that just thinks that every holder deserves everything for free, and this is like you know with it being points, it's a limited free experience, but it's but you also have access to spend your dollars on it, and you and it, you lower the barrier of friction by not having to you know, buy the license fee to own your own suite or pay secondary, you know, marked up rates um, to enter a suite. So think about that, right? I think the utility of um, getting a suite at cost should be normalized a little bit more. Like I'm not a, I'm not someone who purchases suite tickets or thinks about suite tickets ever. So that's not really my lane, but for people who have ever purchased a suite on secondary and paid the upcharge, I mean, why not pay 0.67 ETH for a Compi Panda and then just pay cost? It's not even about the points at that at that juncture for you, right? Am I seeing that right? Yeah, plus there's this kind of thing of like he said that the – the holders, a lot of them, like they just hold that NFT. Like they heard about it, they jive with it, they got a wallet just to hold that. And like what that sounds like to me is sustainability because what we have in a lot of collections is, oh, this seems hot. So people who are in the NFT space, they pal into it. Oh, there was some bad news or some delay or something cooled off. Boom. People like rush out of it. And so probably they did have that peak and kind of pull back. And right now they're at this kind of like, I would say maybe like a consolidation zone. So, um, and he, he does see the value in the IRL connections. He 
likes our idea with the probably nothing cup and like the getting out there on the course and, and letting it bang IRL with people. Like, I think, um, it's cool. Like I, I could see somebody really enjoying themselves if like, this was like their like first NFT or like their only NFT and, and getting to have that experience and kind of like stripping away all these like unrealistic expectations of like, you know, board Ape Yacht club going a hundred, 50 ETH, like, let's just like, let, let's start from a realistic perspective here for a second. So with that, that concludes another episode of Never Fade the NFT podcast. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Never Fade NFT. Follow at Good Month ETH, at Facts underscore ETH, and to our producer at Hazel B. Jordan on Twitter. Take us away, boy. That's a bad bet if the bags check less. About to burn back to back. Flipping not cheap when that Jenny Duck hits. That's the race to one. 250 in the world and you chose to sleep. That's a bad bet if you wake up check less. No more people without bags, but they need status. Running head first with the VV check thirst. Never heard of a hearse, but they connecting the dots.